Welcome to the Bridging the Generation podcast. I'm your host, Malak Arif. Today, I got another special treat for y'all. Uh, my next guest is a Grammy Award winner. Uh, we're talking about uh, over 100 million records sold, uh, seven number one hits, uh, 20 top 10 hits, 40 top 20 hits, uh, 10 gold albums, uh, five of which went platinum, star on the Hollywood um, Walk of Fame, uh, member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This legendary musician is one of my favorite artists, singer-songwriters in history. So with all that said, let's introduce the one, the only, Chris Jasper of the legendary Osley Brothers. Let's go. Again, I am a huge fan. Uh, thank you for uh, coming to the platform. And I hope you got a little time. I don't want to keep you here all night. But <laughs> what you have accomplished in the music industry and what you have accomplished, um, you know, just, just your contributions to music and the essence and the sound, it deserves the highest of respects. Appreciate that. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> so look, so look, so first of all, how's everything going with this, uh, you know, uh, during this uh, turmoil that we, we have going on as far as the COVID-19 and how, how have you been maintaining? Hey, man, just, you know, watching, you know, watching what I'm doing and, uh, you know, staying safe as we can, you know, and um, it's actually um, kind of put me in the studio a little more. <laughs> OK, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, um, because, you know, I do have a studio here at, at my house. Yes. And, um, you know, when, when when they do the lockdown thing, you know, mm -hmm. um, I said, hey, man, this is a good opportunity to start writing and start, you know, doing some more music. So, you know, that's what that's what I've been doing. And um, I was able to, um, you know, finish the single and get it out okay. for Valentine's Day, you know, the way you love awesome. it. And that's, that's going to be the first one on my new album that's coming out this summer. Okay. So, yeah, okay. It's got, got my creative juices flowing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. So, look, I want to I wanna take it back to the beginning because an artist such as yourself, I think true fans of, you, of uh, your, your, your work with the Osley's brother, the Osley Brothers, as long as your solo work, it deserves the uh, it, it deserves a, a certain level of recognition. So with that said, uh, let's let's take it back. Where did how did this all start with Mr. Jasper? Um, I know that you are. Are you from uh, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio? That's right. Yeah. Um, the, the Jaspers and the Isleys lived on the same block and a few houses from each other. Uh, and I'm, you know, we've known each other all our lives, you know, and um, the way the musical uh, thing got started was 
uh, first of all, the older brothers, uh, they they established, you know, the, the group long before okay. three of us younger guys got into it. Okay. They, um, I think that first record was, um, the first hit record was Shout. Twisted, uh, yeah, Shout, Shout, yeah. I'm thinking. 59. Yep. And, um, but we were still kids at the time. Right. Um, you know, I, I started to take piano lessons, you know, at a very early age, at seven, seven years old. Um, and I wanted to be a songwriter. I told my piano teacher, I want to be a songwriter and write, you know, write uh, music like the composers that I'm, you know, playing, you know. Yes. And um, he started to teach me about composition and, you know, how, how composers would compose their music and everything. So I studied until I graduated um, high school. Mm. Um, by that time, uh, I had formed a group with Ernie and Marvin. Uh, okay. Ernie played drums at the time. Marvin played bass, and I played piano. Okay. And we called ourselves the Jasmine Trio. And so, um, uh, but the older at that and at the same time that that was going on, uh, the older guys had signed with Motown. And okay, were, is 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 that when they release uh, this old heart of mine? Yes. Yes, that was that was one of the um, the singles that came from that uh, contract. Okay. So, um, they were at Motown, and they would you know they would watch us. They would come to some of our gigs, you know, that we because we played like high schools and stuff. We were still teenagers at the time, and um, you know we we played anywhere churches where we could play. Mm -hmm. They would come to some of our gigs, and they would come to our rehearsals too. They would even have people from the neighborhood come over and say, hey, listen to these guys, you know, <laughs> you know, and so we would play for people sometime and uh, it came to a point where, you know, Ronald wanted to record us. Okay. So he, uh, he booked this, uh, uh, the studio in, in Inglewood, New Jersey. That's where we were living at the time. And um, we, we did some of the original songs that I wrote, you know, and at that point, you know, he said, well, look, you know, you guys should start coming up, should start playing with us, you know. So that's kind of how, you know, in a, in a short form, <laughs> that the, the three older guys and the three younger guys got together. Okay. So so let's go back a little bit further. So what was some of your earliest musical inspirations, you know, and what uh, inspires you to play the, uh, the, the the piano, the keyboards, so to speak? Yeah, well, I, I grew up listening to, uh, you know, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Marvin Gaye, even Jackie Wilson. You know, those those guys, you know, uh, kind of inspired me to, you know, to, to learn R&B because, you know, I was still a youngster then. I was young, but I listened to the radio a lot. And right. I, I used to play by ear, you know, and I would hear their songs and I'd go over to the piano, you know, and try to, you know, fill out the chords, you know, that, that they were playing. And so um, my mother saw me doing that, and she was the one who uh, said, "Hey, you got to take piano lessons. You know, you have a gift for music. You got to, you know, read music." Mm -hmm. That's kind of the start of my uh, musical studies. So it was starting from about age seven, but those on the R&B side, though, those guys were the ones that you know kind of drew me into R&B. Right. Okay. 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 Let me. Uh, well. So. So. When you when you guys um when you, when the when the brothers were with Motown, 
what stood out stood out about you guys that made them like you know that that made them want to be able to uh, uh move further with you guys um i think i think it was our our ability to play uh just about any song that we heard you know like any any song that was on the radio that was a hit mm. that, that's what we did when, when we did our shows you know okay in our concert we played you know the popular stuff you know once in a while we throw in a, an original thing okay it, you know we, we played the, the popular song so well that you know they knew we had a good feel for okay recording and you know for, for doing concerts and stuff like that okay it's kind of the thing that made them think hey man you know we you know it would be a good idea if we all got together you know okay they didn't play instruments you know and and we did so it kind of added a, another component okay okay so later um uh to my uh, to my knowledge you guys uh went to uh, CW Post College in uh, Brookville, New York. So yeah. talk about what led to you, all three of you guys, enrolling to uh, CW Post College or scholarship, however that, you know, that worked out or whatever. What led you guys there? Um, well, I, I think, first of all, I was I was studying at Juilliard uh, the year before I went there. Right, okay. I was at Juilliard. I was studying the composition. Uh, hmm. Studying composition there. And so um, the great jazz pianist, Billy Taylor. Mm, you know, legend. He was going to uh, teach a course out at CW Post. Okay. And that was something that I was more interested in uh, as far as composition and as far as playing was jazz and, and, and R&B. Okay. And I, I, did, I grew up studying classical. Mm-hmm. But... You know the, the the more popular music, the R and B, the you know the jazz. That was more in in my lane. You know what I mean? Okay. I do. So I and I really wanted to study with him too, Billy Taylor. So you know I, I made that transfer. You know. Okay. Now I heard you guys used to you know used to perform a lot, like in you know in in uh, the mother uh, Sally's basement. You know. Yeah. Like, so talk about those sessions. What were those sessions like? You know, you, Ernie, uh, you know, Marvin, what was that like? Well, generally, you know, like when we, uh, when we got a song idea, um, it's, we used to want to put it down, you know, on a, um, a temporary uh, recording device. Okay. We went to the studio and, you know, we rehearsed the parts. We, we, we put the parts down on this uh, TAC recorder, a four track TAC mm. recorder. Matter of fact, I still have it in my studio. <laughs> it's one of the things that I that I held on to. <laughs> you know, you know, it was it has historical value. Sent what uh, what they call it sentimental value. Sentimental and it's it's it's, it's, it's some <laughs> historical things. You know, fight the power was recorded on there. You live it up. You know, it's, it's uh, iconic songs were recorded on that thing. You know, first yeah. before we went to the twenty four track. Uh, so uh, yeah, man, I still got that thing, man, and it's, it's wow. Uh, it's a thing that I think I'm just gonna, you know, pass on to our our, our family. No and, doubt. Uh, we, we we had some great sessions there, uh, and um, it was a good place. It was a good place to rehearse because, um, you know, we kept the stuff set up. You know, now you guys, you guys, you guys recorded out of a, a T neck. 
Well, it, uh, that was the label. That was the name like later. Label. Okay. Oh, you talk again. Okay, we're talking about it. So that's how that's the setup in the basement. Yeah, the setup in the basement. We, we set up down there so that yeah. we have an idea. You know, you know, Ernie would run over to the drums. You know, and you right. Know, you know, I would get on the keyboards, and uh, you know, we would rehearse the different parts. So okay. That, you know, uh, to the twenty-four track studio, you know, we would know our parts. We would exactly. You know, okay. Smooth, exactly. You know okay. I mean? So, um, you know, a lot of the rehearsals, uh, even some, I, I don't think, you know, some of the rehearsals for the shows we even did that. We were all <laughs> bunched in that. It was small, <laughs> yeah. You know? Okay. And, um, we rehearsed some of the shows there, but uh, yeah, that's where we kept the, the instruments set up. Okay. Okay. So, so when did, uh, you know, in um, 1969, I know. You know, um, the Osley brothers, uh, just the three brothers uh, at, at the at the at the time, as they were, you know, Rudolph O'Kelly and Lee Singer Ron, they uh, dropped their hit. Um, uh, uh, it's your thing. Now, did you guys play on that record? Um, see, we were still in high school, and um, I I was I was still in Cincinnati uh, at uh, Woodward High School. Okay. And, what happened was when they were doing the session, Ernie was the only one, you know, that was there. Uh, and um, Ernie, Ernie, you know, he was learning how to play guitar and, and bass and everything at the time. So he ended up playing bass on it. Wow. And but they had another they had a, another group that they used to play the backup musicians. OK. Uh, and most of the uh, people on there was part of that band. Mm. Ernie, Ernie was the only one of us from the Jasmine Trio <laughs> that played on that record. You know. Okay, early, early, only don't Ernie, the only one that that I, he he made the cut, so to speak. <laughs> well, he, was, he was there, you know. Yeah, because he was there. Yeah, exactly. By 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 default. If I was there, I would probably would play it on it. You know. Yeah, but no, it's gonna say like by default. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was there. You know. Was, yeah. Then, no and, doubt. And, uh, okay. He, he, so. He played bass though. He played the bass on, not the guitar. He played bass. Okay. Okay. So, so when did um you guys officially uh join the join the group? No, as as far as playing on the records, yeah. like all when did you Marvin and Ernie? Right after that uh, album. Okay. Right at the next album, and then you know, from then on. Right. The get in get into something album. Yeah, get into something. Yeah, we were all on that, you know. And the Brothers Osleys. Brothers Osleys, um, Brother, Brother, Brother. Brother, Brother, Brother. All that stuff. And then 3 plus 3, that's when people saw us. Let's, let's, so, let, yeah, let's, let's slow it down. So, okay, here we go. So, you know, from uh, It's Your Thing, you know, uh, It's Our Thing, uh, Get Into Something, uh, Brother, 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 the Brothers Osleys, you guys were playing on the, on the album albums but you guys were not like officially part of the group so to speak especially as far as you know visibility right. so why um and you know what what made them a little hesitant as far as you know uh joining you officially in the connected uh the collective and what led to them of uh, you guys officially earning these guys not saying that you got i don't want to say earn these guys respect but uh, you know made them feel comfortable as you know bringing you officially in i think i think what happened was that they um in 73 uh they signed a new deal with uh cbs 
Okay. They were originally signed with Buddha Records. Buddha Records, yeah. When that transition occurred, uh, it was easier for them to, uh, for, 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 for us to be grafted in, you know, as, mm-hmm. uh, officially. Okay. Contract uh, changed. So that, that, yeah. was, a, that was a big uh, thing. Now hold on, Mr. Jansen. This is this is go this go trip you out. I want to show you something. I got this especially. I'm on I'm on vacation right now. This is not even my normal my no, my normal you know space and area. So I'm at my fiance's house right now. Okay. But I want to show you something. This. It's how much of a fan I am of you guys. <laughs> I thought I had it closer, but. We're talking about brother, brother. I now, I didn't bring all of them. This is just, this is just brother, brother, brother to, um, between the sheets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also brought, got the vinyl. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so, I, I brought these things out to say this. This is a very, very, very important moment. We're not going to get into every single project. We don't have enough time for that. Mm-hmm. But now this is the segment where I want to start getting into some of these projects, some of these classic albums. You know, again, we're not going to go through every every project, but I want to start off with uh, the Brother, Brother, Brother album. Mm-hmm. So I believe this was the last album. I have this on CD. This was the last album that you guys were on before you officially before you were officially visible. So um talk about that that last album and uh you know what what led to that you know that transition because um the question I want to ask you is when you said that it made uh it made sense now did CBS look at you guys look at the brothers and say you know we want to sign them or we are we going to sign all seven of you guys how did, how did that work out well at the at the time it was only um it was still the the, the three guys and the, the teenage label that's that's what the the contract was about it was right teenage teenage record label now mm-hmm. they have it, it was freedom under that new contract for, for them to do different things you know and they people had always been asking about us anyway especially because of the brother brother album yeah that album you know i wrote one of the songs on there love put me on the corner love the last song on the album that was one of my first songs that i wrote for the group okay uh and um you know our our the instrumentation started to change you know ernie started to play guitar more you know mm. uh, you know keyboards you know my keyboard work started to be more you know evident and so it was it was kind of a natural thing just to say all right you know, we've been playing together for so many years. Now with this new contract, you know, we should all come together as one group. Okay. Officially. Because it was it was a gradual thing, you know. Okay. It didn't happen all at once, you know. Okay. And uh, it was just a natural thing to just say, okay, <laughs> now six members, you know. And, no doubt. We, you know, it was family. We've been family, you know, all our lives, really. Okay. Now you're, you are, you're, married to rudolph's sister no rudolph was married to my sister i'm sorry 
I apologize. I got <laughs> exactly <laughs> switch it around. My bad. Exactly. That wouldn't make sense. So 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 yeah. So that was you know I guess you know that, that was, was a pretty. They were married. You know I was little. I was you know he was right. Because Rudolph is the second to Otis. He, yeah, he's the second to Kelly. Yeah, oh Kelly, right. Dennis Rudolph, and then Ron. And then Ron. Okay. Okay. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. They, they got married when I was really young. Okay. Okay. So let's. So here it is. Is uh, you know, you guys released. Um, they released uh the la their last album on Buddha Records. Now it's 1973. You guys signed uh the deal with Columbia, and you released. The three plus the, the three plus three album, which is yeah. right here. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The three plus three album. Yeah. When you guys released this album, it seemed like your entire sound changed. And I noticed, um, you know, from reading the credits, you guys start working with uh, legendary engineers, uh, uh, Malcolm Cecil and Robert. I always mispronounce his name. Margul. Margala. Margala. Malcolm Sisu and Robert Margala. And at the same time, they were uh they were working with Stevie Wonder during, you know, as he was doing uh Intervisions and Talking Book and all those projects. So mm -hmm. how did you guys connect with uh with, with uh Robert and Malcolm? Well, that's that's the reason that we went out to work with them, is because they were working with Stevie Wonder first. Uh, <laughs> okay. When 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 uh, when I heard music of my mind album, that you know that was like it kind of blew me away because I was starting to get into synthesizers at that time too. Right. And, uh, his use of the synthesizers uh, mm. on that album was really really something special, and um, we found out that um, Malcolm was the one who built that synthesizer. That he was, mm. doing, was doing, you know, all those, he was getting all those sounds from. Okay. So, you know, I said, you know, in, in the conversation with, with, with the older guys, I said, look, you know, that's a, that's something that, you know, we could utilize, you know, you know, and, and, you know, when I, when, when I hear different sounds, sometimes it leads me on to different songs, songs, you know. Okay. Uh, so I really, I really wanted to work, uh, with them, you know, and, and get some, and Highways of My Life was one of the uh, songs on the 3 Plus 3 album where I really utilized that synthesizer. And uh, even the next album, Live It Up, you know. Uh, okay. Not from that synthesizer. But that was that was the reason why we went to California. We were, we were re recorded in Manhattan. Okay. You guys, when you went, went out to California, you guys was at the, uh, the record plant. The record plant, yeah. And Stevie, Stevie, he also he also recorded there as well, right? He's in there. Yeah, he was doing it. I remember he was doing uh, "Don't Worry About a Thing" when we walked in. <laughs> Nineteen seventy-three. And he was it was yeah. So you so you got a chance to hear some of that intervisions. Yeah. And he and did he get a chance to hear what you guys was cooking up as well as far as that three? Take a little break after that one, man. That was <laughs> The studio was rocking, man. It, it sounded a lot different in the studio than the sound on the record. The, the studio, I mean, they had those heavy Westlake speakers, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, that thing yeah. was pumping, man. And, don't what's that? Uh, don't you worry about a thing and, and living for singing, the city. He was singing that thing too, man. <laughs> <laughs> he 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. So so anyway, you know, so here we are. The three plus three album drops in 1973. And your lead-off single is the legendary Who's That Lady? Now, this song, in my opinion, it changed the sound of music forever. The reason why I say that, because it brought so many different elements from so many different genres. And it is a timeless song. When I hear that song today, it sounds like it could have been made yesterday so so talk about uh not just the sound of that uh that that particular uh, track um can you talk about how did you guys come together as far as writing that that masterpiece well it was um it it was like a uh, another version of an older who's that lady um that the older brothers did uh think of back in 64. right yep and, um, but, uh, you know, I changed the chords, you know, mm -hmm. the chords added a chord progression in there, you know, a different chord progression. Um, and, uh, you know, lyrics are different. Change the lyric, you know, because that different, that different chord change made the melody change too, after a certain point. You know, okay. So, uh, you know, me and Marvin kind of got together and wrote different lyrics, you know, uh, we actually kind of wrote the lyrics in the uh, in the hotel, <laughs> after we, <laughs> you know. After we, after we did the musical track, then we kind of uh, wrote some lyrics, and then you know, uh, Ronald did the um, you know the lead vocal after that. But um, it, it was it was a, a restructuring of an old version, mm -hmm. all kinds of new elements in it, and of course. You know the guitar solo that was all new. <laughs> you know, of course, nothing like that on the old version. You know, yeah. And so, and then the uh, the musical fan, you know, at the end, that was part of the arrangement. And, okay. Um, uh, adding percussionists, you know, in there. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, instrumentation. The, the instrumentation sometimes can make a big difference in you know the, how a song turns out. Right. Uh, so. Um, those, you know, all those things were considered, and um, uh, and it was it was funny because we hadn't led with a song like that before, you know, like the first from the first single. Yeah, and I think that was that was different too because it was more a uh, typical, um, you know, maybe something like work to do or yeah. you know, um, it's your thing, for example. You know, mm -hmm. but this song was different, right? And um, uh, everybody got on board. You know, when we, when we record, I remember recording it, and when we played it for uh, CBS, you know, everybody was like, "Yeah, man, this is you know, this is hot. You know, this is great." <laughs> and all of the promotion people over there, they were like, you know, all excited about it. You know, and uh, they even made T-shirts up. You know? Yeah. And uh, it was it was a great thing. We we ended up going to the convention in uh, in San Francisco. Okay. That's that was right before the release of it, and um, we performed at that convention, and um, everybody was really excited about the record, and it came out, and it just took off, man. It just, it yeah. Off. 
So so um also had two more follow-up tracks. I know um Summer Summer Breeze was on it or was on that uh project. What it what it comes down to? What it comes down to is on there, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So when, um on uh on that on that album, you know, I noticed that I believe that was maybe the first album. I think maybe the second album. That that album is when you guys uh started to write uh more songs like as a as a collective. Mm-hmm. So talk to me because before it was the three older brothers. You had your songwriting credit on the uh um on uh Highways of My Life. It, it was uh, um uh no uh, Love Put Me on the Corner. Was love Love Put Me on the Corner. I apologize. Love Put Me on the Corner on the on the Brother 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 album. Now here you guys are are, are collaborating. Um, as far as you know, songwriting. Now, how did that work? Was it you and the brothers, or because from my knowledge, I heard, surprisingly, I don't want to say it, but I rather I want to hear it from you. Yeah, I mean, you know, every everybody's name was on there because we were partners, you know, business partners. Right. But that's not how the songs were written. You know, um, either uh, I wrote the song, I would have ideas that. Ernie had some ideas, and then Marvin had some, but not very many. But in that order, that's that's how the songs came into being, you know. Um, and uh, like I said, we we just shared writers' credit because we were business partners. But uh, uh, there was many times, you know, like I was saying, like going back to uh, the basement and the equipment, right? Right. That's where a lot of the songs were written in, in, on that. In, on that oh, okay. That's, that makes sense. The older guys, older guys were nowhere around. You know, they were they were, <laughs> they were nowhere around us. I mean, that's where the song, and that's why the the sound of the group changed so much. It's I like, I can contribute. Can, you can definitely contribute that to that. If you hear, if you pre pre three plus three, and then go on from there, this is a different sound. And it was it was yeah. starting to emerge a little bit in the Brother Brother album, but we were doing so many covers. You know what I mean? It was like a co- it wasn't original stuff. But when we started doing the most original stuff, you could hear this a, a vast change in the sound. You know, um, and and a lot of that, a lot of also attributes to the musicians who were playing uh, pre three plus three. There was still a lot of the old old band right on the records, you know, and uh, like, like I know George Morland, he was on drums. George Morland, yeah, George Morland is the one who stayed the longest, you know, because he played on three plus three and live it and live it up out. Okay, but live it about. Wow! So it was just Miriam and Marvin from then on. So 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 let's I want to talk about that. So when when you guys uh started to do that, now was there a conversation? How did how did that work like as far as the you know, because the brothers was writing, you know, it's your thing and all these songs, and now the younger brothers they're like, man, like how did they find out like you know when it was it that particular like that particular uh song on the uh the uh brother brother a brother album, but when did they realize, like, man, we need to give the, you know, pass the reins over to these, to, to, to the younger brothers? I think so. Let them do their thing. Somewhere between uh, three plus three and live it up. 
somewhere during that time period. Uh, because they started to see that, you know, um, the stuff we were doing was really working and working big. You know, we, st- we started selling albums then. You know what I mean? Um, before 3 Plus 3, our albums, were, th- those albums weren't really selling all that much. Right. They were like singles, you know. Singles would come out. And right. The single was huge. But the album, you know, wasn't all that huge. You know, right. Was, so, but when 3 Plus 3, 3 Plus 3 went platinum. <laughs> mm-hmm. Live it up went platinum. And it was like, oh, well, there's something special going on here. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something different happening. But that's but 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 Mr. Jasper. So, like I said, I know you guys wrote you know you wrote that on on the uh, the brother brother album and and follow me because I don't want it because I'm listening I'm, I'm I'm taking everything that you say I'm taking it all in. But was it just that particular song? Like because we're talking about them giving the credits to like yo here we we about to give you guys the ball to run with it. Like it was it it was it. it it was just that one particular song, or what other uh, songs? And did those songs happen to make it on the the, the three plus three album? Uh, n- well, no, three plus three. It was songs that just went on there were just for three plus three. Right. Uh, you know, that, that's how we would do. We were we would write songs just for each album. It was like there was no spillover. I got you. I got you. Uh, but you know. Nobody actually came out and said anything. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> Nobody came out and said, oh, "Okay, oh, we're, we're not going." <laughs> you know, we're not. nobody actually said that. But this is what happened. Like, it's gradually. At a, at a certain point, like after the "Live It Up" album, I think the next album, "The Heat," is on. They didn't even come to the session when we were when we were recording the music. Because they, they wow. saw how how well things were being put together, and I think wow. I, I think they just said, "Okay, just let them, let them let, let them go." You know what I mean? <laughs> why, why disturb <laughs> something that's selling platinum? It doesn't make any sense. You know yeah. what I mean? That, that's kind of like I said. Nobody actually came out and said anything, right? But you know, you know, they would just call up. Okay, y'all ready for us yet? You know, <laughs> you guys was you guys was bringing a breath of fresh air, man, to 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 the, to the group. You know, like you said, when you guys joined, the sound changed totally. It did it. It was a one complete one eighty. And I and, and would you attribute a lot of that to you guys? Uh, not only your um, youth, but you guys' uh, music training. I I, I attribute all of what I did to my musical training because um, I wanted to create a sound that people would recognize right away. You know, like like Motown had. Motown had right. a sound. You heard a Motown record, bam, you knew that was Motown. You may not know an artist. Very record, distinctive. But you knew the sound, right? And so um, the chord structures that I would play, you know, are different than other, you know, uh, producers, you know, that, that, that at the time. Totally, totally that agree. Was, that was intentional. That was extremely intentional. I, I took a combination of classical and jazz mm. and created 
chords that were a little bit different. They weren't just their normal triads. They're one, right. one, three, five triads. You know, they had sevens, ninths, elevenths, sometimes doubling different degrees of the scale, inversion, mm. you know, diminished chords, things that you normally wouldn't hear, but subtly, if they're subtly introduced, right, it creates a certain sound. And that's what the, especially on the ballad side. Yeah, you know, definitely. People hear, you know, like For the Love of You starts out with a chord that's unusual, but it's, it's palatable because yeah. it's so smooth and you know it it, it flows yeah. so well with the with the chord progression, so um, and and the synthesizer lines on top of things, mm. those things were intentionally done to create the the sound that you hear, and and I carry it today to with my music. You know, I, I haven't changed that at all. Yeah, yeah. I, um, like you said, speaking of for the love of you, I I, I love how you. You know, on those particular songs, I feel like like the ballads, like you really shine on those. Like I, you can you can definitely hear these these very lush arrangements on the ballads. You know. Yeah, man. I was I was extremely extremely involved with the funk too. <laughs> oh no, no, and but you know what? It's, it's funny. It's funny that you know, like here we are, you know, 30, 40 years later, and a lot of people know you guys strictly for the ballads, but. During that time, the songs that made that that were released as uh, singles, they were the up tempo songs like "Fight the Power," uh, "Live It Up." You know, talk talk about that a, a little bit. Yeah, "Live It Up." Um, yeah, I mean, funk was always something that I like to play too. You know, right? Uh, um, I was inspired by you know, like Sly. You know, he was a big influence on me. Okay. Um. But yeah, I mean, that's that's another kind of uh, thing that you really can't explain. Uh, mm. funk, funk is something that you have to feel. You got to feel it. Yeah. You got to feel it and uh, know how to put it down, know how to separate the parts. Mm. Because funk is very specific. It's a specific approach, you know, and... Um, Talk about that a little bit, because I've heard that. I've heard... You know, like, uh, you know, I remember I, I heard Bootsy Collins mention that about this approach. Talk about, ex yeah, expand a little bit on that. It has to be, it has to be um, all the parts have to work together. Mm -hmm. Even though they're separate, you know. Okay. Even though they're separate, they still have to gel together. Okay. And, um, the, the syncopation is part of it, too. Uh, mm. a, a good funk riff. You know, um, but Live It Up, Live It Up was a song that, you know, <laughs> I said, you know, I, I just felt it was just driving. It had to have a driving beat to it. You know? mm. And I said, Ernie, I said, um, I said, George, you know, he, he, he's really a good musician. I said, but <laughs> I need somebody to just lay in the pocket on this, song, you know, and just drive it, you know, one, two, three, four, all the way. Yeah. And, uh, and Ernie, Ernie started on drums, you know. So I, I said, man, just lay in the pocket on this one, man. And uh, yeah. bring this one home. And it's funny, when we were recording it, um, I think we were mixing. Yeah, we were mixing it. Okay. Everybody, a lot of people were recording the record plant. And a lot of people from L.A. Okay. 
Billy Preston was there that day. Uh-oh. And he stuck his head in the door. He, heard the <laughs> he stuck his head in the door. Man. Hey, man, where's this, all this fault coming from? And, you know, we had a nice conversation with him. But, uh, I mean, funk is something, you know, next phase. You think The Pride. I wrote The Pride. Mm. Showdown. You know. Um, uh, that's a... It's like, it's still, that's, that's kind of, yeah, showdown, man. Um, that's kind of a thing that I, that I do well too, is, is, is funk. Mm. Like I said, you, you have to feel it though. You, I don't know how you can explain it, Yeah. You know, but you just have to have the feel for it. A lot of people no doubt. feel for it. I mean, they're, they're really good musicians, you know, but you tell them to do a funk riff. And it won't sound right. Right. You know, or, I mean, it's, like, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's a funny thing, you know. Or you, or like James Brown, you have artists, uh, you know, that 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 don't read and write music, but yeah. they, they they have that feeling. Yeah, you, you got to have that feel for the. Got to feel. Okay. Um, Talk so so so, Mister Jasper. I want to. Um, we're talking about this this live it up project, and I, I'm not going to be too long, but it's a it's one particular song on here that I have to ask you about and I think I know I, you might know which one I'm talking about if you don't mind taking a guess uh, I don't know <laughs> so many good things on there I don't know. yeah I know I know it is but um, I want to talk about that uh, and, and I've been good to you mm-hmm. you know that song has been sampled by a lot of uh, you know hip hop artists but if you don't mind Talk about how that song came to be, because I swear that that one right there is one of my favorite Isley Brothers songs ever. And, and I've been good to you. Uh, the, yeah. original, the original idea was, for that was Marvin. Marvin was playing that on the bass. That bass. Doom, doom. And, yeah, the bass line. It started with a bass line. That's, that's, yeah. And he uh, went downstairs, you know. Besides, these obviously we had the amp set up, and he started playing with the bass line, and then you know we just kind of you know Ernie playing the drums, and then I came in with the keyboard thing, and mm-hmm. kind of came together in, in stages. But it started with Marvin, you know. Okay, man, I, I I love you can hear that you know that 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 you know the 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 keys and the bass, and it's 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 like a melting pot of just awesomeness. <laughs> And I never, you know, I audit, uh, uh, a lot of the interview, interviews that I've watched you, I've never seen anyone ask you about that particular song. So I had to ask. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah that, 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 uh, it's kind of, you know, kind of has a lot of blues elements in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. But that's, but see, that's the, that's the beauty of the, what I feel is the beauty of R&B and uh, where we started taking the music, you know, it was, um, Used, it used a lot of different genres that connected. Yeah. You know? Like there's a little there's a little jazz in our music. There's a little classical stuff in our music. You know, some of the piano intros for Harvest of the World and, you know. Mm. You know, uh, but they were intentionally inserted. That's what I'm trying to say. It was it was intentional. Intentionally, yeah. And 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 that's what I think that's what made it so special is because I did want to incorporate a lot of things I learned in and in, in, in fit them into R&B. Right. Um, 
because it kind of expands your possibilities. You know, okay. did it with, and Stevie Wonder did it too. Stevie Wonder did it with more more with jazz. You know, if you listen to Stevie's music, there's a lot of jazz in there. A lot of it. I mean, a lot. A lot. And he he, he but he brought it in, and 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 brought it into R and B. You know. What mm. I mean? And and it's a beautiful thing when that happens. Like I know, you know, one of the things uh, uh, that always stood stood out to me about you guys. Uh, in an era where funk was just at an all-time high, you know, you guys stayed the course. You didn't you didn't use horns. Not that that would have been a bad thing, but you know, you guys found other ways to uh to stand out, you know. And I look at you guys and I and I love the Ohio players. I love the Barcades and, and and funk and I can go on and on and on, Mandrill. But the thing with you guys, you know, you guys created a sound that nobody were able to duplicate that. So how was it during that time just knowing that we're making history? Well, we didn't know at the time. <laughs> you didn't know? We didn't know we were making history at the time. I mean, it was just like um, just trying to do the best, record the best ideas we could. Uh, when we performed, we wanted to do the best performances we could. You right. Know? Um, it was just really trying to keep up with every with everything else going on out there you know because you remember you know there was aretha franklin there was uh earth wind and fire there was the, had the philadelphia sound the philadelphia international you know, yeah there yeah. was so the, the motown you know, motown there was, yeah there was so much stuff going on it was like well hey you know we, we're just trying to keep <laughs> <laughs> go, everything else is going on out here you know okay well you you, you. Well, I was out. Uh, and I don't know people, you know, because his his reign was so short. People forget how big his reign was, though. It's, it was crazy. Sly was huge. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and um, it was like, hey, man, we just got to do the best we can. That's what we were thinking. You know. You're being modest. You're being you're being I'm, modest, Mr. Jackson. I'm being honest. <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm being honest because I tell you, when when Marvin Gaye or somebody anybody came out with a record. We were the first one to pick it up. I agree. Totally agree. What, what do you do that? And we would analyze, you know, what everybody was doing. You know right. What I mean? He's because right. he was working uh, in in Los Angeles too, probably not that far away from you guys. Yeah, I mean, but back then, artists were fans of each other. Right. You know what I mean? It was like they had our records, <laughs> we had their records. You right. Know I, mean? I was listening to everybody, you know. Okay. It was it was a good competition kind of thing. Right. You know, and that's that's what I mean by we were just trying to keep up. No, I, I understand. No, nah, no doubt. I just I, one thing about you guys. It, I didn't even mention the Funkadelics, and you know, I mean, you know, and James Brown, and you know what I mean. It was like right. it was a crazy amount of competition. I mean, and yeah. everybody was selling, you know, a lot of records. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, it was. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, you know, how big could your ego be? You know what I mean? I was like. You know, because Stevie could come out any day, you know. <laughs> you know, he already messed up the business with superstition. You know what I mean? And then, and then he came out with higher ground. Like, yeah. Oh, you know, oh, come on. You know, wait a second. But, 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 but let me say this. Brother, you're being modest again because when you guys drop projects. No, no, listen, I'm just saying 
how I thought and how we No, thought. no, no. And, and, and I, I, I love you know your mind. Like, I appreciate the humility. But I, me being a fan, a diehard Ozzy, I'll speak. <laughs> let me, let me, can I be your cheerleader? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, let me I'm just saying. But see, that's what kept, you know, people say, well, what, what kept you, you know, every year having a record out? That kind of competition kind of was one of the reasons. That was going to be my next question. But we had we wanted to keep current, you know. We wanted to keep yeah. keep our product out there, and so yeah. because I mean the business was popping then, man. The business that's that's one of the biggest periods in R and B history. History, and that's what I'm saying. Like, yes. and and to be in the middle of that, you know, being part of it, you know, you had to be sharp. You had to, or else, you know. Your records would get lost. Get lost, yeah, yeah. So seventy-five, you guys release. Uh, you know, in my opinion, not one of my favorite albums by you guys, but one of my favorite albums of all time. And we're talking about the heat is on. The heat, man. Yeah. The heat that's, is on. That's the one to put us into another category. That one. First it was that lady, then yeah. Live It Up opened up the clubs for us. Yeah. Dance thing. And then the heat is on just, you know, boom. Blew the roof off. Off the top. That's when we started yeah. Master Square Garden. You know, and the yeah. thing was, if you can play Master Square Garden and sell it out, then hey, you made it. You you it's it's, it's a done deal. So yeah. so you you guys laid off with uh, Fight the Power. Talk about uh, that song because it has a particular lyric. You know, to this day, I've never heard anyone do this. You know, I've never heard anyone do that before, and I haven't heard that since. So yeah. talk about uh, the, the song Fight the Power and, you know, how y'all was able to sneak something in there and get away with it. Because, that's uh, you know, I'm curious. We, we, we talked about that, too. It's like, you know, the Fight the Power was a song about, you know, Getting hurt, getting your voice hurt, and it, it had, no doubt it had to do with, with record business in a way too, because that bridge, you know, mm. uh, I tried to play my music, said my music was too loud, my music too loud, got the big run around. If I rolled the roll with the punches, got knocked on the ground by all this mm. down. That's what was happening in the record business, right? You know? Because you know that's some of the excuses people gave. Uh, the, 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 it's too, it's too harsh. Directness, the sound is too harsh. Whatever excuse they could come up with, right, right. You know what I mean? That's you know that's that's what was happening in the business, you know. So, um, but but BS was not the word on the page though. <laughs> so talk to me. How did they, how did they end up on the page? <laughs> the word on the page was nonsense, right? Well, all this nonsense going down, right? And then when, when Ronald got in there and started singing it. <laughs> He said BS. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to say, whoa, whoa. You hear what he said? He said, yeah. And so we said, well, you know, that's that's probably what people would say anyway. You know? Did you ask him? Did you ever ask did you ever did you ask Ron like what what made you say that? He just he just said he, you know, it was spontaneous, you know. Yeah. And so um I said, well, you know, what we could do is is, is, is bleep one version and keep the album version like that. Leave the album version alone. And so that's that's how we mastered it. You know, we, we had one version edited. 
we edited the word out. And, and the other ones, we just left. And so, yeah, I, 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 love, I love that. I, I'm thinking, because, you know, I wasn't born in 1975. So I'm thinking, you know, I know the album version. So I'm yeah, thinking that, that, that that's unedited. Yeah. But, right, you know, right. It was, a, it was a thing, you know, it was a thing. Like, uh, and it's funny, this pop station in New York, WABC, they did their own edit. They they did a musical kind of thing, you know, with it. And but, I said, oh, okay, that's but, cool. but, but interestingly, you know, there was not even, I can't recall any records even made back then where you even had to bleep a word out. Well, so that was also, so, okay, yeah, you guys could, you know, there was two, um, versions release but to be honest there was no group that even you know that that put out an, uh, a record where you would have to uh make two versions because of something like that there was a couple you know funkadelics had had one uh you know sly had one but he didn't he didn't edit it you know it was it wasn't bs you know it was another oh okay yeah yeah i'm thinking of some of that funkadelic stuff yeah funkadelic thing. <laughs> It came out kind of raw, you know, but, uh, you know, it, but we, we never would have said that if it didn't make sense. You, you, you know what I'm trying to oh, say? Okay. So you guys just wasn't, it wasn't it just was, for shock value. It just wasn't, it's just a throw a, a profane. Right. It wasn't <laughs> for shock value. No, it, because people say that all the time. That's right. That's, that's the conversation we had. You know, would, would somebody say nonsense or would they say bull? Now, they go say, would, yeah, yeah. They would try to, you know, if they were saying they were unsatisfied with what was going on, which which one would they say? Actually, say <laughs> they're not really upset if they go say nonsense. Like <laughs> they're not gonna say nonsense. So leave, leave it in there. You know, yeah. Have a conversation about that. You know, but yeah, especially you know, especially speaking. You know. Especially speaking about the things that you you guys are speaking in that song, you know that's. But uh, also, you know, one thing I love about that that album. Um, oh my god, I, I, I could talk about uh, um, this one right here. This, I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but this this one is you know, uh, hope you feel better, love. Oh my god, that's my that's my favorite song on there. Hope you feel better. Yes, your keyboard work and that guitar work. That's that's my favorite song on it. But I wanna I wanna touch on this right here. That second side. That second side, those three songs in a row, for the past 30 years, I have been screaming this to the mountaintop. There's not any three songs, any three ballads that flowed as beautifully as those three ballads on that second side. There's not any songs in history. I'll say that. Any three love songs that came back to back to back like those three love songs. I'll, I'll put those up against anybody. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, um, make me say it again, girl, sensuality or the love of you. Talk, talk, talk to me about that. Was that calculated? And what do you, and what do you think as far as, you know, what I just said? <laughs> well, you know, um, I think a lot of people shared your opinion because that was that was the number one pop album. That was that was the the album. Like I said, that put us into another uh, kind stratosphere. Of, uh, yeah, because <laughs> uh, people they love the funk side, you know, with the uh, fight the power, the heat is on. Yeah. But then when they turn it over, 
it was just as powerful on the other side. But just another, powerful. You know what I mean? Another way. And, yeah. Uh, like, you know, sensuality and um, uh, for the love of you, they had that, those synthesizers, things that mm. they out before in there, the chords. You know, I, I came at sensuality a, a little different way, too. I added, you know, four chords in there instead of just uh, those are different chords. Yeah, yeah. The songs, but they, they seem like a little bit more. The song, the way it's structured, is a little bit spacey. It's a, you know, the chords yeah, yeah, seem a little yeah. spaced out. Uh, it used another mold all together. So, uh, but it's still, like I said, it was it was still uh, a romantic uh, song. You know what I mean? Yeah. And went through a lot more chord changes, but still, you know, it all worked out. You know. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. was I was really happy with how that album turned out. Um, and and I, and before you say anything, let me just say this: interject. Um, that was the first album where you guys did not do any covers. Right. No covers. Because the last the last album you did, Hello is Me with uh, you know, Todd Rungeon's song. Right. Hello that was just another arrangement. Yeah. But yeah, these were all original songs. And um I was really happy with how it came out because from start to finish, to me, you know, the songs were very interesting. Each one in its own own right was, was right. very to listen to. You know, and and that's why I thought it was complete with six songs. Mm. You know, um, sometimes a book can be two hundred pages, right? Sometimes it can be three hundred pages, right? It, but what? I think that's the decision of a producer is mm -hmm. when are you finished. You know, at what point do you say, "All right." That's a wrap. <laughs> you're done, you know. Yeah. Uh, because you have to have that sense of when you're done. You can't keep yeah. recording forever, <laughs> you know. And sometimes, like I said, the chapters are short. Right. And that's how the heat is on was. It was a, it was a short but powerful. Mm. You know, and people didn't feel like they missed anything. No. Because of that. No. You know what I mean? It, they, it's the. They weren't like counting the song. See, when you, I, I feel like if people start counting your songs, <laughs> you kind of miss the point. You missed it. Yeah, yeah. You got it's some fluff. It's some filler. Yeah, they just have to feel completed. Right. Over it. And it, yeah. if you accomplish that, yeah, the number of songs doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I to I totally agree. Um, that that album right there, I think that is the strongest group of uh selection of six songs ever compiled on one project you know and and it, it left no room for error it left no room i believe that album is the shortest is is i believe that's the shortest album you guys ever release that's right as far as okay okay few song titles on the album mm. but it was it's it, it sold more and went to number one and, and yeah, and first, first, uh, first album uh, to hit number one on the pop charts. I always believe in making a strong musical statement. You know, it's not how much you do. So you know, you hear, you always hear the, the thing less is sometimes less is more. Right. And no doubt, there's some wisdom in that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. A strong making strong musical statements. 
that's to me is the most important thing because that's that's what a person gonna take away with them. They're gonna take mm-hmm. that. You know, they, they're gonna hear that tune in their head. They're gonna hear that music in their head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That the strength of that statement is the most important thing. Wow. So so from then on, man, you guys just ran off a string of just number ones, man. You know from. Uh, 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 you know, take me to the next phase and the pride and, you know, we could, we could just go on and on. It seemed like that, that, that mid seventies period. I dropped the pride. I dropped the, the song. It's What's that? Song comes to me in the dream sometimes. That, that, that song came to me in the dream, the pride. Talk, talk to me a little bit about the pride. Cause I, I, I love that one. That's on the, uh, the, uh, go, uh, uh, go for your guns. Yeah. That's the, go, that's, that's the first single from now. It's the number one single. And, uh, I remember I had this dream. There you go. That's it. I, I, I had this dream at the. We, we were doing the concert, and, and the concert was over, and and the guy came up to me and said, "Hey man, I like the I like the a song you, you guys did about the politician." <laughs> and I said, "Oh really? You know?" And I kind of woke up, you know, and I was thinking about that. I said, hmm, "Okay." Well, okay, if it's going to be about a politician, it's got to be funky. <laughs> no doubt, definitely, definitely. Got to be funky. So definitely. That's, that's kind of where that's kind of where that song came from. It's, it came from an idea in a dream. And, um, you know, like I, you know, went down there. The keyboards were set up. And yeah. Like, this has got to be a keyboard song here. And um, started working with it. And man, it was funky. So 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 talk right. right break this down a little bit i know you touched on this but how did these songs come about what was the writing process like let's let's go into a little detail so we got we got you got you we got marvin and we got ernie how did the songs normally like start off normally they would start off with one person and the most of the songs started off with me or ernie the, you know the, the original idea that's where it can i give okay for an example so how would you know? Mm, we let's let's go to uh, you know. I'm gonna get, go to the Harvest for the World project. Keeps. How did this song start? At your best, you are love, and no. and 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 the following song, "Let Me Down." Talk about those two. Like, give me an example of you know, because people well, we, we we get it. At your best, your love started. That was uh, Ernie' idea first. He okay, started, started with that. Uh, Let Me Down Easy, that was my song. That, that was my original idea, uh, which that, there's, a, there's a story behind that that I, I don't know if you saw YouTube, but I, I tell a story about how I came up with that idea. I would love to hear it. I would love to hear it. <laughs> I was, uh, we were doing a tour. We were on tour. And okay. We had a, a rough plane ride the week before. Mm-hmm. You know, the bumpy, bumpy plane ride. And so uh, we were coming into Detroit. And okay. I was looking at all the fall colors down there because it was a fall and it's beautiful, you know, you know. And then said, "Okay," they said, "Put your seatbelts on. We're coming in, you know. Put the tray tables up and all that." And then uh, I just said to myself, "Okay," thinking about the week before, right? Uh, just let me down easy. You you meant like <laughs> literally, literally, not, figur- not figuratively, literally. like we thought. Yeah, because you know that was, that was pretty scary, you know. So I wrote it down. I said, "That sounds like a good song." <laughs> hey, Mister Jasper, I apologize for my unprofessionalism, but I'm, I'm, I can't. I'm, it's so hilarious. 
hearing this. I'm yeah. sorry. That's 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 how I thought of that title. I apologize. And then uh, I started to, you know, I said, well, let me let me put this into a you know a story form, you know, uh, tell tell a story, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I would have never thought like oh, this entire time. Yeah. I mean that song it's so touching it it, it very it, it it you know when I listen to it I I I connect with you know a, a man's perspective to a woman's yeah. perspective or vice versa yeah, as far as you know intimacy right. and love and I and I wanted it to be I, I turned it into the you know the love situation you know what I mean it's yeah like, but the phrase came to me <laughs> <laughs> let me think. In, in, in a totally disconnected way. <laughs> and it's funny how sometimes songs could come from a lot of different ways, you know. Like I said, I get a lot of songs in my dream. I, I dream. Yeah. yeah. But most, most of the times, it comes from practicing. Okay. Sitting down at the piano, just practicing, you know, uh, you hit across a chord, chord progression or melody that you like, you know. Mm -hmm. It's strong. And then you start building it from there. You know, mm, okay. That's, that's where that's about you know the majority of my songs come from practice. What what song you're most proud of? Oh boy, that's a tough one. But I now I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna give you two 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 questions. Always gonna stand out. Always Go ahead. Caravan of Love. Um, when I wrote that, it was a special time. It's a special message in it. You know. Um, Worldwide, people have covered it all over the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, everywhere, I mean, you name it. You know, for different weddings, for for concerts, for uh, graduations, for right. know, everything you can name. People are just drunk in bars. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that message has gone all over the world. Yeah. For that reason, uh, that song is is the. And, and, and it's personal to me because, you know, uh, it speaks at a time when I was going through my conversion, you know, uh, and, 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 and to being con con converted, you know, what they say, conversion into Christian, being a Christian. Okay. Yeah. I, I, was a Christian. yeah. I hear a lot of spiritual themes in that song. Yeah. It's, it's from the scriptures. You know, it's, okay. it's a message that's from the scriptures, you know, when there'll be peace on earth. Right. And um, I think for all of those reasons, you know, it, it, it'll always be a special song for me. Okay. When I wrote it, I, you know, I had no idea, you know, <laughs> that it would be so covered so much. And, you know, right. it would be so worldwide like that. I, I knew it was soulful, you know. And I told Ernie when we, when we were doing the track, you know, before I started doing the vocal, I said, Ernie, you know, that sounds like a soundtrack, man. It's, it's a really nice track, you know. Now, what what did um did you guys ever think that it was going to be that big? You know, because you guys release, you know, and I'm I'm getting a little head of, getting a little ahead of ourselves, but it's okay because we about to segue into that. But um, you got you guys released a uh, a project before um, you know the uh uh the Caravan of Love uh Broadway uh Closer to Sunset uh album. Yeah. And then you know, boom. You guys go ahead and release that 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 project and that that single just it just it blew up so like wow how did you guys think like man this one is going to be the one? I I, I felt that I felt that it had 
the most potential of, of the songs that we have recorded. You know, okay. Felt that right right away. It's just okay. how big would it be? Right. You know? I, I knew it would be special, but okay. I didn't know it would be that big, you know. Because mm -hmm. it got covered like when, when when we had it out shortly after the house Martins covered it. <laughs> yeah. Usually, usually it takes like a while for somebody to do Right, right, yeah. You know, it was like uh yeah, this this, this I heard this group has a um a video. Mm. It's an acapella version of Caravan. I said, what? It's yeah. still out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so that was a classic. Um, you know, I got calls from people that you know I hadn't you know talked to in That's years. And how them I say love this song, you know? Um and it was it was it was number one for like three weeks. Yeah. They're good on the on the arm, the pop shots and uh pop yeah. and RB shots, like number one. It was uh it was it was really special, a special song, you know, and uh for all of those reasons that that will that one will always be a standout. Okay. So let's look, let's just let's go back for a second, you know. I'm not gonna again, we're not about to talk about all these albums, but that that late 70s period. Um, to that early 80s period was very, was some of the, the you know, that entire 70s period and early 80s. Let me, let me correct myself. You guys released some of the most groundbreaking and timeless songs of that era. Now, what was that like as far as, you know, uh, working with uh, Ernie and Marvin? Can you describe like the uh, the the roles between you guys, not just Ernie and Marvin, as uh, as far as the music and the songwriting, but also outside of the music with the older brothers? What was what was our 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 roles? Right, like as far as yeah, like you know your roles. Like, how did you guys? What was it like uh, working with those guys? And did you guys have like different roles outside of uh, you know the music? Um. The music was the main thing. Okay. Uh, after a while, I you know I started to uh, get involved more in the business too. You know than, than I was when we started off. Okay. So okay. It was it was mainly music. You know, mainly music. Uh, our our contributions to music and you know coming up with ideas. You know was kind of the main focus. You ever, you ever get, what, did it feel like pressure, you know, to be able to just, like, how are we going to top this one? How are we going to top this, you know? You know, it was, in a way, in a way of pressure, but I, I kind of respond good to pressure in a way, though, you know? Um, it didn't bother me, like, I guess, like it would bother some, some other people. Right. Because okay. I think I had so long of a training in mm. composition and writing, you know? Right. That was my thing. Mm -hmm. you know, some people are their their thing is being just being a performer, right? And if they and they if they have to do something else other than perform, they might feel you know a lot of pressure. You know, like, right? What do I do now? You know, mm -hmm. but that was my that was my field is, is writing. So I I didn't feel like a panic pressure. I felt more if I can describe it, like an artistic pressure. Mm. Like, um, 
I want to make sure I can do as well as I did before. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, okay. Maybe I can add some things that I didn't add before. You know? mm-hmm. Another, a better lyric. You know, right. Uh, it, it was never like a panic pressure though. Mm. Okay. So, so you know, you guys release, you know, uh, you know, go for your guns, and you know, we're talking about uh, showdown, and I mean, just go all the way, and you guys finally release your last project, uh, you know, between the sheets. Now, you know, on that particular album, you know, you guys had uh, Choosy Lover and the number one song, um, but the, the the title track. Uh, but then you guys, you know, you guys uh, eventually, uh, you know, separated. Um, what led to, you know, the separation? And, you know, especially after a, an album that was that big with two, you know, monumental uh, singles. Yeah, it was um, it was it was basically business, you know, um, and that that had been happening for several years before the actual breakup, you know, um, and then in 1980, I, I thought we were going to break up then, you know, the the Go All the Way album, that was that was going to be an ITI album because I wrote all the songs on there. And um, wow, well, no, you did so. This was no Ernie, no Marvin, just you. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, you know. It was business wise, it was starting to get, you know, too lopsided, you know, and. Um, if you don't mind, expect, like, I think I know what you're getting uh, at. You know, <laughs> in other words, they were taking they were taking more, you know what I mean? Then, and you uh, guys are kind of doing a lot of the work, if not. You know I mean, there were things that we didn't know about that was going on, you know, that we found out about. That's what that's why I started getting more involved in business because things weren't happening right. And okay. so it was supposed to be, that was supposed to be our album. Mm. You know? But then, you know, uh, we got back together and it ended up being an Isaac Brother album. But uh, going forward- What's that, the uh, Grand Slam uh, album? Going, no, going, the Go All The Way album. No, I'm saying no, after, after the Go All The Way album with the Grand, Grand Slam. Then Grand Slam, then the Inside You. The inside then, You. Then Between the Sheets, yeah. Okay. So, um, those next few albums, uh, there was there was there was some you know artistic differences even, you know. Uh, now was this but was there any artistic differences between uh, you, Ernie, and Marvin? It was it was I think it was basically me and Ronald uh, <laughs> because. See what was what was happening was um, on our lives concerts. There was a segment when I would come out and sing, <laughs> and nobody knew that. Now, now, can I can I stop you for a second? Please don't forget what you're about to say. But I'm gonna be very brief. As I look at the album covers, I always see, you know, uh, Chris playing this particular instrument and Ernie and and so forth. All the group members. But I, I never see you guys get credit for vocals. So did you guys sing vocals on the, on the albums? Yeah, well, we did, especially in backgrounds. Like Grew With You, that's mostly IJR. That's mostly the three of us. You know, Ronald singing along with us, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, we did a lot of background vocals. We did, you know, we did, uh, I, I did Choosy Lover along with Ronald. You know, okay. Singing, you know, 
live. See, what what happened was there was songs, <laughs> what had happened was <laughs> there was songs that I wrote that you know just like the Go All the Way album I kind of yeah. wrote for myself you know and 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 wow I was I kept doing that and uh, the older guys kept wanting Ronald to do all of this the singing too and that's cool but sometimes it wouldn't come out as good as the guy vocals were. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you're writing it. So you would know. It's like a it's like if you can imagine another singer on caravan. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, no, no, it doesn't work. It, 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 it doesn't work quite like you. Right. Why would you do that? You know what I like mean? Like the covers, the covers of Caravan of Love, they're 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 not bad, but your your version is the definitive version. Yeah, I mean, why would why would you change that? You know what I mean? Just just for the fact that let's let somebody else sing it. And that's what right. I was thinking. I was saying. Now we're getting to a place where it's not making sense artistically anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Because because there, there was another song like "It's All Right with Me" that that we recorded. I think on the. Uh, yes, I you. Real deal. Real. Deal. Oh, the real. Okay, my. I'm, yeah. It's like it was like it sounded like a top forty smash, and mm. they wanted to change it. You know. And Inside was, you is on the real deal. Or was that on? No, no, no. Inside you is that's on Grassland. Inside you is a is a separate album. Grand Slam is had uh, uh, other songs on there. It didn't have Inside You on. Okay. But um, you know, it, it, they started doing stuff that didn't make sense artistically too, uh, along with the bad business things. You know what yeah. I mean? And it, it was like, what? What, what am I doing? You know, I was thinking like, what am I doing? It, it's like, I, my my whole thing was, let's do what's best for the music. Right. If hey, hey, let Ronald sing it, let anybody sing it. <laughs> I don't care. Whatever's best for the music. You know, I wasn't thinking, well, you know, I have to sing everything I wrote. That's, that's right. Not how it, yeah. When, you know, when it started to go the other way, like, you know, why, why are you changing that? There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Where it is, you know, what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, hold it, you know, this is getting kind of crazy. Wow. And so, but the business stuff was much worse than that. That's why I had. To, that's why I had this. Musically, man, you guys had a. You guys had an amazing formula. I swear, man, that that formula. You know, one thing about you guys, man, you guys, you guys stayed in the the top twenty, the top ten. Yeah, it was. It was, man. You know the. It's just one after another, you know. Yeah, yeah. Platinum, platinum albums at a time where it wasn't easy to go platinum. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Like I said, there was so many, so much product out there, so much good product yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. You know that yeah. your your music really had to make a statement in order for mm -hmm. you know to compete. Okay. So, All right. So you guys. Um, you know, you did uh, Caravan of Love, 1984. We go, um, that song goes number one on the charts. Um, you release a follow-up uh, 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 project. And, uh, you know, then after that, you went, you decided to go solo. So what led you, uh, you know, going solo uh, after the, you know, uh, Osley, Jasper Osley um, uh, idea? Yeah, they, um, well, Ernie, Ernie resigned from the group. And... Uh, I was asked to do a solo album. Basically, that's how I went. 
And I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> Nothing else I can do. Anything. I can't do IJI anymore without Ernie. Yeah. Um, and I think Ernie did a solo album too for Electra. Yes. And then, yeah. But yeah, I, I couldn't do IJI. So I did the solo. Now that first project, you the first project. So the first project you released that was on Gold City Records. Right, that was my first um, release on my label, and with with uh, distribution through CBS. Right. Okay. Okay. So when what what made you decide? You know, hey man, I'm going to go ahead and start my own start my own label because that label you still have that label to this day. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I I wanted the. Uh, Creative freedom to do like whatever I wanted to do, you know, and mm -hmm. because I have, I have, you know, the ability to, to do a lot of things, you know, not just right. one type. I can I can do funk, I can do the R and B, I can I can do a whole lot of stuff. Right. And okay. Creative freedom and to be able to sign other artists if I wanted to, you know, and and I did that, you know, uh, so. It's, it was a big it was a big thing to me to be able to have my own label and uh, have have that success from that first record because that 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 first record really kind of put me on the map, you know. That's super bad. Yeah, the time bomb was. I, I like that time bomb. Yeah. On that uh that project and you 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 release you've been releasing you know albums throughout you know the past thirty years. So you know what inspires you to continue to you know, uh, want to release music, what content, uh, continues to inspire you to just still be here in the music business? Well, it's just, it's just uh, like I said, something that I've been doing for so long. Right. And, um, I just love music. I love, I love creating new music. That's, that's it. Uh, if, if, if my focus was something else, I probably wouldn't record, have recorded something else. <laughs> you know what I mean? But my focus has always been on creating something new, get an idea, you know, record it, produce it, and see that finished product. That's that's the that's that thing. That's the most fulfilling thing that I have in this business is to see something new come about. And um, I think that's why I do it for so long because I I really like that process. Yeah, you know, I love that process. That's that's what I've been trained to do. You know. From from a little kid, you know, and it, it never gets old. Okay. <laughs> never gets. Yeah. Old. One one thing I I I love about which you, you know your music, you've you're you're able to you know um, change with the times. You're able to create your own unique sound, whether it's with the Ozzy Brothers, uh, your solo work, and even you know your latest single, which we're about to talk about in a few. You know, uh, talk about that. How you know as far as like reinventing yourself. You know, because it seemed like you guys did, you did, you did that on numerous occasions. But we still know this is Chris. Ja this is Chris Jasper. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to explain uh, songwriting and and, that, and the creative process. Uh, I, I I really feel that it's it's a gift that that you that you're given to be able to bring something. Into in, in, into the present that had done exist, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just spirit. It's like in your mind. Mm. That's I think that's a special gift, uh, and and I'm very thankful for that. You know, um, I, I'm, things things come to me all the time. 
but the, the the thing that I like the most, like I, like I was saying before, is that that new product, that new song, that new song that I just wrote. You know, talk it, about that. Hey, that that one is a banger. You just sent it to me. Talk a little bit about the that 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 track. You caught me off guard with that one. Yeah. You surprised me. It it has elements that you're familiar with. Yeah. And it has another approach that's kind of new for me. You know. Now, I mean? now let the fans know the name of this song. Let the, let the yeah. introduce this song right here, brother, because this one is a smoker. The the way you love me. Poof. It's a romantic song, you know. It's yeah. A, it to be have an intimate feel like uh like if you wanted to put it on for a special person it's like you're, mm -hmm. just, you're speaking to them you know what i mean yeah and yeah that's that's the kind of feel i wanted it to have and and to break into different changes at different points you know yeah to, to bring in another uh you know layer of sound mm. you know what i mean it's to start small and then it's for it to grow and then it, small again and then, then, then yeah yeah huge you know i wanted to have that texture to it yeah uh, but see those are see that's what i mean those are the kind of things that i was saying that the creative freedom that you right. have you know you don't have somebody looking over your shoulder saying hey man you ought to do this kind of thing and then that, you know, no you know and that, you know and, and it's the greatest thing uh using someone else's example like when motown left stevie alone <laughs> you know what i mean oh yeah you know, look what he's talking did. about music in my mind, intervisions. You know, leave him alone. Yeah. You know, Marvin, okay, too. Marvin, too. Marvin Gaye alone. You know, he did what's going on. You know what I mean? It's like certain people, it's good to just leave them alone. <laughs> 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 Let's see what happens. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's a beautiful thing when that happens. You know? And, so, so, Chris, just to yeah. go back for a second. So, when you wrote uh, Go All the Way from that, you know, uh, from that album up to Between the Sheets, that was pretty much the majority of you? Yeah, er Ernie wrote some stuff too in there. But yeah, it was basically just me and Ernie, you know, from that wow. one. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's 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 amazing, brother. This is why this is why you own the Bridge in the Generation podcast, brother. This is what I'm talking about. Like I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, one of my favorite musicians in history. And recording music history is uh, Chris Jasper because it's not just what you contribute musically, but as far as your, your songwriting is just, it's it's amazing, you know. Wow, that's that's great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what so what do you think about a lot of the music that uh, comes out today? You know, what's your what's your take on it? You know, you know uh, we don't have the programs, the school. Uh, a lot of music has been taken out of programs. You know, you know, the past 30, 40 years. So Yeah, I mean that's 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 a bad thing that I, I think that's that's happened, you know, for the for the students, you know what I mean? Uh yeah. Because I think music does a lot for your your mental growth. I mean, it makes you do math uh and, and reading at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it, it really helps your mind, it helps you grasp new ideas. Mm -hmm. even, if you, even if you don't go on, you know, and be in the music field. No so doubt. Learn that language, the musical mm -hmm. language, you know, and um, it's 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 a it's too bad that that's what's happening in a lot of schools that they don't feel it's necessary. And I think I think uh, they haven't a lot of people haven't studied what it actually does for your mind, uh, right? Because if they had, they would leave it in. <laughs> you know, mm, they would, exactly. They would have left it in. But, no uh, doubt. 
I think I would like to see more uh, variety in it. You know, it, sometimes it seems it's kind of stagnant. You know, this, this, you hear the same chord, chords. Chords, yeah. <laughs> the same instrumentality. You know, the melodies are similar. The, Very. You know, the people's it's, voices are the same. You know, I, I think this it becomes rather stagnant when, when before you had all of these different artists that had their own styles. You know what I mean? And you could tell each one of them when you heard, you know. Not um, just by the music, but also by the lead, the lead uh, vocalists. The voice, you know, you know, you had Temptations, Four Tops, you know, uh, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, you know, all these, all these, they had their own sounds, you know, and, and it was, it was fantastic, you know. Um, but that, that kind of variety, I think, I think people would appreciate it, you know, I, I really do. No doubt. No doubt. No, I, to I, I totally agree. Are you, are you, um, you, how often do you talk to, uh, you know, Ron and, um, cause I believe O'Kelly died back in 1986 and Marvin, he just passed, I believe in 2010. Yeah. 2010. Yeah. I, I talked to Marvin the most actually. Um, yeah, I talked to him also every other day, <laughs> you know, when you mean, uh, uh, Ernie. You know, when Marvin was here, I, I talked to him almost, almost every oh, day. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. He passed away, you know. Uh, Ernie and, and Ronald, I, I haven't talked to them in a while, you know. Um, explain explain your relationship with Marvin. Explain that, because... Marvin was very friendly, you know, very friendly, very open, you know. Uh, any birthday, any any holiday, <laughs> you know, I talked to Marvin, you know. We, uh, he, was, he was more talkative than everybody else, you know. Okay. Uh, more, you know, more, more receptive, more approachable. You know what I mean? Uh, the other guys. Marvin like, is the, uh, I believe Marvin is the youngest as well. Youngest, yeah. He was the youngest. Yeah. Uh, the other guys aren't, aren't, aren't that friendly. You know, they're not, uh, I don't know. But anyway. Were you, were you, were you, you know, uh, you know, how about your relationship with, with Ron? You know, like. In the beginning, at least, you know, how, because with him singing, with I always thought like you guys would have to have, you know, got to be some type of connection because you're writing these beautiful songs for this brother to sing. And he's, con brother, he conveyed those songs. Again, like you said, they, I don't think those songs that you wrote for him, I don't think anybody can cover those songs like he does. You know, it's, it's funny. It's, uh, we kind of had the same uh, same influence, really, you know. As you know, he 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 liked Sam Cooke a lot, and so did I. You know what I mean? And um, I think that helped the, that writing and and performing kind of combination thing that we had. You know, um, it, it was it was it was a really good. I, I mean, I think the songs were so good. And, and I really feel that because they, they felt that way when we would we would sing them, you know, to mm. him. You didn't know. Right. <laughs> you didn't know. And so, but the, the, the songs were really, really good, you know. Uh, like, and a lot of people feel like, well, you know, he did a lot of ad-libbing. He didn't do that much ad-libbing because it, it was written into the melodies. Oh, I was just about to ask because he did do a lot of ad-libbing, but okay. It might have sounded like a an ad lib, but really, right? It, it was part of the melody. Wow. Most of most of it, and then and sometimes he, he would go off and do an improv, but you know, 
a lot of that stuff was was written into the melody. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, that's was, that's amazing. It was, a good, it was a good thing. We we kind of I kind of knew where he he sounded best. You know his the range. Mm -hmm. What would you call a person's sweet spot in their voice? No doubt. And um, find that pocket. Get in that pocket and. Yeah, it it, it it wasn't difficult at all to do that. Yeah. Like, but sometimes he would have problems with songs that I wrote for myself, though. You know, he wasn't as comfortable, you know, because, you know, we have a different... So range. so you was you was intentionally writing those songs for yourself, like we when you, we talked about earlier. <laughs> hope with the with the with the uh the hope that he would agree to like let you know. Well it was it was um remember I, remember I would say what was happening live when I was I was I would sing a certain segment on the show in, in the show and the and the and it would go the fans would be like going nuts, right? You got any, you still have any any footage of that? I don't. I wish I did. I wish I did. I oh man, I would love to see you singing live with the Isley Brothers. But it was. Um, well, if you go on my website, you'll see me. You know, I have a picture of me doing that. It's, it's on my website. Yeah. But it's. Um, I thought it would be like a natural thing to add to the show, right? right. To add to the group. Like just like the OJs, they had two two lead singers. Two lead right? singers, right? Temptations had what? Confunction. A lot of the bands, you know. Yeah, and it was. It felt natural for us as a group, you know. And, and that's that's what I'm saying. You, you know, just want you you just wanted him just to just the you know, I mean, just, just a little bit. I mean, you ask anybody. He saw what was happening live. He saw. Whoa. He, he I can't believe right I'm hearing this. This is wow. He was standing right next to me. You know, he saw because I can hear because I mean, you got a good voice, Chris. You got he, a great voice. He saw, he saw what was happening. It's like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying anybody can sing any better than anybody else. All right, saying, right, right. No doubt. No, no, no. I, I get it. I get it. You know, it's just, um, you know, Eddie LeVert had one sound. The other guy had another sound. Yeah. Know? Right. 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 Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We we did have the capacity to have two different sounds in that group. And I, th I think it would have added. Mm. I, I never thought about that. I, th I think it would have added to, not taken away from. Like, if, right. I thought, if I thought it would take away from, I wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, it was hot, his idea to hand me the mic it, live the first time. It was his idea. Oh, so, so when did you start uh, using a mic? Well, like singing live, singing live. I had to I had to totally improv it too. It wasn't even planned. He just said, Hey, you know, I want my brother in law uh Chris to come out here and sing. Let's sing for you a minute. Because you know, I sing all the, the the guy vocals, so he knew I could sing, right? But yeah. I don't you he anticipated the response though. <laughs> <laughs> was he wasn't he was a a Ron Ozzy, he hey Mr. Mr. I, he wasn't prepared for all that. I don't think I don't think any of us wasn't prepared for it because yeah. if this is the top level, here's the level, one yeah. level we're at. When I got the mic, it went up to there. Wow! Screaming and crazy craziness. What were some of the songs that you would perform? It was for the love of you. It was doing for the love of you. The song for the love of you. We were saying, we were performing that. And wow! I would, 
I don't know what made him do it. <laughs> hey, Mr. Jasper, Mr. Jasper, <laughs> I would give anything if you could come up with footage or audio of you singing for the love of you. I wish somebody would. Yeah. I wish somebody. And I, I just had to improv some stuff, you know. So the yeah. Stuff yeah. Because, you know, and then it got to a point where we had to keep doing it. And yeah. that's what, what I said. Well, you know, it would make sense that, you know, we would have, because, like I said, sometimes, yeah. sometimes I knew he was a little uncomfortable. So, tonight, tonight is the night on that Grand Slam project. I think I think that's your pocket right there. That uh, that's another song I wrote. Yeah, I wrote a lot of that stuff. That's your pocket. Like I could definitely see you, like, you know, doing your thing on that one, singing that one. Uh, you know, live on record. You know, whatever. And some sometimes it's just a, a, a matter of emotion. You know, what right. I mean? connecting with the emotion of the lyric. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because a lot of times a songwriter will know what emotion is supposed to go with it. You know what I mean? It's not just a, it's not only a tone. Right, right. It just so happened this time though, you have a songwriter who can actually sing. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, um, like, and, and that happened on a few tunes and um, it was just disappointing that it, uh, they thought it should go a different way, you know, when, when it was okay the way it was, you know? Yeah, yeah, wow, wow. So what were some of the highlights during those years, you know, during the, the, the three plus three years, you know? I think the fans would love to, you know, I've seen you guys perform on countless, you know, platforms, you know, from Soul Train to, you know, uh, you know, Saturday, what is it? What was the show they used to have? Uh, oh, oh, um, Friday night or Saturday? Yeah, Saturday night. Friday night, was it? I don't, I don't. I forget some of those. I forgot today, but I've seen you guys perform live. You guys are some of the best top, top, top five live performers as far as bands of all time. Like how important you feel it was to be able to uh, duplicate what you guys uh, did on on uh, record. And then, and again, you know, talk about you know, uh, talk about that time. You know, what were some of the highlights? That was a that was a great time to uh, for bands. You know, yeah, that's what that's what people were kind of looking for. Mm -hmm. band, perform, write, you know, uh, write their own music, produce their own music. Right. You know, back then, self-contained units. Right. Self-contained units. That that's that that was the time for it. And there was there were uh, you know several several bands out there. You know, a lot of a lot of them actually. Who and, gave who gave who was your who was your toughest? You know, gave you gave you guys the toughest challenge you know because I, I you guys was like I, I don't think people understand and if they do understand like you guys were the real deal you guys were in a lane of your own so talk to me about some of those other bands that gave you guys you know some 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 competition yeah we we toured with the Graham Central Station <laughs> and you know who Larry Graham is Larry Graham from uh Sly and the Family Stone yeah that was that was uh, yeah. a very interesting concert tour. I mean, he they were funky, man. He was they were they were powerful. So were the brothers Johnson, the brothers Johnson, you know, with Stone. George and Lewis, Lewis, man, Thunder Thumbs, and, and Lightning Licks. 
man. <laughs> yeah. Them brothers is bad. This is, I mean, that's just a couple, man. We played with everybody. We played with Teddy Pendergrass. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Everybody. What was the most memorable tour? Funkadelics. What what was it? What was you guys' most memorable tour during that era? Well, I think when we did, see, we we toured during the summer and spring most of the time. Sometimes, okay. But when we played Master Sweet Garden, I think that was kind of the highlight of those tours because you know it was like this big arena, twenty thousand seater, New York City mm. press, you know. And the, the TV, sometimes TV coverage, you know, it was it was like the place. If you played that, you sold that out. Okay, that was it. You 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 kind of made it, and that kind of you know you set your mark at Master Square. Yeah, Garden. yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was we did that like six times. They wow! Give, after, after you do it, they give you like this what they call a gold ticket. You know. It's funny to look back on that. It's, uh, wow, wow! What was what was some of the most you know? What, what was some of your uh, favorite songs to uh, perform? Uh, Fight the power, that lady. Okay. Um, yeah, hello, hello, it's me. We did that okay. a lot. Sorry. So when when you guys separated, did you guys ever unite? Uh, reunite uh, to you know uh, perform together like uh, not when we no not when we separated because we would uh, we went on to IJI the three of us younger guys we went on to with Luther Vandross uh, after the group broke up we did Caravan oh. after Caravan of Love <clears throat> we toured with Luther Vandross uh, one year and uh, but we never we never toured together as the Isaac, but like six member Isaac brothers. Wow. You guys never, I mean, there was never any talk of that? Because I've seen them perform before, but I'm trying to remember, have I seen all of you, you know, all six of you guys? If it was after 84, it wasn't the six of us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Last time all six of us were. were wow. Wow. Man, when you think back, you know, as you know, as we uh, you know, come to the uh, conclusion of this uh, this 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 interview, brother, when you think back to you know all the music that you've created, you know, what is your most proud moment? And if you could change anything, what would that what would that be? Or would you just do it all over again? Uh, the most proud moment, I think, was when. Uh, when the three of us younger guys, when we got back together as Isley Jasper Isley, that was a proud moment for us. It was kind of a turning point um, for us. Uh, but what would I change? Uh, I'd probably go to law school right after, uh, <laughs> after I graduated the post. <laughs> Instead of waiting, you know, as long as I did, you know, to go back. Yeah, so talk about that. Talk about a little bit, like, what made you, you know, because you have your own uh, law firm. So talk about that. What what led you to, you know, starting your own practice? My, my wife, she's a lawyer. And um, I uh, I thought that, 
you know, since I do have my own record label and, you know, I, I, I do have a lot of songs and a copyright interest, you know, that I should learn more about that, you know, uh, mm. learn, you know, what the law has to say about, you know, <laughs> those things, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's the main reason I went back. I went back for myself, just for my education. And, okay. Uh, and, you know, for my son, too. He, my son's a lawyer. And, you know, okay, awesome. Awesome. He, do you, how do you feel about uh, music today as far as the business? Do you think um, a lot has changed, um, whether good or bad, you know? Yeah, I think this. the good things is, the good thing about music today is I think that you can get it out a little faster than than you used to be able to, but the, the I think the bad thing though is that you know all, all this free downloading and you know um, yeah pirating that's going on you know um, that's bad that's bad for everybody you know? mm, yeah it's hard to, it's very hard to go platinum nowadays yeah because it's too it's you know people can get it free you know what I mean yeah it's, it's yeah. not free to the artists or, or or to anyone you know. Now, what about, you know, uh, di you know, uh, you know, different type of um, things and contracts such as like 360 deals and things of that nature? Did they have that back then? No, they didn't have that back then. But if you hear that word, <laughs> run as fast as you can. <laughs> don't, don't even think about it the second time. Yeah. Yeah. Worst deals that you could possibly sign. So if, if you don't mind me asking, so. You know, with the cat with the catalog, because I was just talking to an artist recently, and I don't want to say their name, but when I asked him about, you know, um, you know, so who owns you guys' catalog? And he told me, like, what is the catalog? And I was trying to tell him, like, I don't know if he was being uh uh facetious or sarcastic or whatever, but I I said, brother, you know what I'm talking about, your, your catalog. So long story short, he said something that was a little different than what I heard um, <laughs> from what I've heard in my, my research. So my question I pose to you, uh, Mr. Jasper, is, you know, um, as you know, with you writing a lot of those songs and, you know, the brothers writing uh, a lot of those songs as well. Does CBS, does they own that or how does how does that work exactly? Well, see, it, what happens is a songwriter owns all of the rights to the song when he writes it from its inception um, until and unless he makes a deal with a publisher he owns everything now if he makes a deal with the publisher the publisher is going to get part of those uh, uh part of the copyright or either mm, okay interesting you know usually the publishers want to own the copyright you know so, a lot of them do. Yeah, and, and and that's important because whoever owns the copyright owns the song, basically. And and the songwriter gets paid a portion, you know, uh, of the of the funds that come in. Okay. So, what would you advise to, to to young artists that's coming into the game that's writing their own songs and, you know, just artists in general, you know? What you do is try to maintain as much as you can, especially now. You try to maintain as much of the ownership. Of your property as you can, because that's that's your intellectual property. Basically, is your song, right? Intellectual property. So, and okay. the copyright is um, the proof of your ownership. Mm -hmm. like in real estate, you get a deed. 
right? You get a deed to your property. And okay. The songwriter, whoever owns the copyright, owns the song. Okay, gotcha. Be in that seat. You want to own the copyright. You know, okay. Okay. Interesting. I never. Wow. I thought I knew about publishing and the copyright and all that type of stuff. You just, you just told me something. Uh, you know, told me something new. It's, you know, it's, it's something that a lot of artists haven't been told about. You know, for for yeah. reasons. <laughs> you know, oh, that was that was by design. Yeah, it was. You know, I, I yeah. think a lot of people have the excitement of getting to the business. Um, they don't look at the business aspect of it very. Okay. Much. You know what I mean? They and they find out later sometimes, you know, after they've been successful, like, oh, wait a second, you know, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know my music. About you know? points and splits and yeah, you know, yeah. it's 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 a it's funny. It's a people that now, own, did you know? I'm, go ahead, I apologize. Go ahead. And people people that own the, the record labels and, and the major companies, they're only interested in their interests. A lot of times, uh Artists don't find that out until much later. So it's too late. Because they write the agreements for for themselves. It's for their benefit. You know what I mean? You you're signing a you're signing a contract, but that contract, whoever drafts it, drafts it on you know for their behalf, not not mm. right. <laughs> so you have to have a you know good lawyer, good advisor to a good lawyer. That's a that, hey, that's a that's a key. Well, speaking of uh, you know, a good lawyer, let well um, what what do you practice as, as an attorney? I, I don't practice as an attorney. I'm just you know it's just me as uh, the head of the label. I want to I want to have a, a a good uh, idea of what the law is with the, as when it comes to music. Okay, I apologize. Okay, I, I, I'm not practicing. My wife practices. You know. Your wife practices. Okay. She you know she handles most of the legal stuff anyway. So you know I don't have to you know do too much with that. You know, but. Um, you just kind of like over oversee. Yeah, I want to. I want to know everything yeah. there is about. It's like when when I take on anything. When I took on music, I wanted to know everything it was to know about music, not just you know my instrument. I right. To know life of the entire orchestra. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of how I am. So it's like if I'm if I'm running this business, I want to know everything I can about you know music business and the law. Right, I want to know that, and that's important. No doubt, no doubt. The more you know, the better off you'll be. I always tell people that you know you can't never stop learning, never stop, never learning. stop learning. Because, I mean, that if the, people talk about uh, uh, leveling the playing field, that's the way you yeah. do it. You do it with the mind, with your mind. Mm. That's all. That's and and that's nobody can ever take that away from you. Okay. I agree. I, I totally agree. What do you What do you think about you know a lot of the uh, the rappers, a lot of the young rappers uh, sampling, you know, a lot of Asley Brothers. You guys have been sampled probably like over a, a thousand times. There's been a lot of samples. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I, I mean, I you know, I take it as a compliment when you know somebody wants to cover something or to sample something. You know, right. That, that means you know they, they see value in it. You know what I mean? That's right. Great. I mean, but. I would, you know, some of the lyrics, you know, I would, I would say that could be, you know, changed a bit, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> not, so, not so negative and violent, you know. I mean, I, I think that's, right. that's unnecessary. I really do, because yeah. we know, we know, we know what's wrong. We know what, right. 
the bad things that happen. Give some, give some uh, advice. You know, give some solutions. No doubt. People need answers. They don't need. They need to to to, to revamp stuff over and over again that you already yeah, know about. Yeah, yeah. But what good is that? <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. It's just you ever feel like you know, you know, hip hop has kind of took a lot of the uh you know audience from uh rhythm and blues you know and and, and you know it took audience from rock and roll too if you think jazz you know like yeah i mean it's it's uh it's one of those things where uh the majors have you know felt like you know there's a bigger profit margin there you know what i mean and that's what they started to promote a lot you know right because of that you know they can make more money um, you think, you think R and B can never get back to where what was was where it once was? You know, it's possible. It's possible if people start uh, supporting it as, as far as radio is concerned. Which radio would play a lot of the uh, the good R and B stuff because there's a lot of good R and B stuff out there. Right. Oh it's, no no. I mean, yeah yeah. I agree. I agree. Not being, uh, it's just not. It's not in your face like it once was. It was just. Yeah. Yeah. At one time, it was it was at it was on the highest plateau there was as far as uh, you know, especially far as you know, black music. Right. Yeah. Because there's a lot. There's a lot in. It's, it's a lot of um, uh, um, history in R and B. You know, in the music, just in the music. Right. Right. Because it, you know, it, it it came from the blues and jazz. No and doubt. Ingredients. No in doubt. I mean, and. Uh, I think as Americans, we shouldn't forget, you know, that that's American music. That's an original American music. You know, yeah. Blues, needs to be preserved. Yeah, it needs to be preserved and, and, and you know, people need to know about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally, uh, man, I, I totally agree. I, I was uh, talking to another artist about the same thing. And uh, do you feel like, you know, Maybe if we had more programs in, in the schools, do you think that would, you know, uh, help? Because uh, I, I feel like a lot of the young people today, they can't hear it. Like they, they're they so accustomed, their ears are so accustomed to electronics and so accustomed to synthesizers and different, you know, um, studio, uh, 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 computerized studio uh, sounds mm -hmm. that their ears is just not accustomed to hearing a, a six string guitar, 12 string guitar bass, uh, you know, the Fender Rhodes, which you play or the clavinet different, you know, what's your take on that? Yeah, I don't know if, if school, if school would help, but a lot of schools don't have those instruments at school. You know, they, they usually focus on like band, you know, like the, 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 the right. brass and the woodwinds. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they they don't they don't have a lot of well, well as I say, in the last I guess twenty years in some of the schools they started to add, you know, the drums and the and the bass right in there, into their programs, you know, uh, but yeah, school would help, but also I think radio plays a big part, you know, and. Mm. Internet radio is doing is doing their part. They are playing a lot of variety, you know? right? Um, but I think I think our stations here, our big stations here, if they played more variety, because I think 
I have I have a fan that's like 19. He, he just turned 19, right? Yeah. Got, yeah, talk about it a little bit. Talk about ageism, ageism, oh, and and and, and black music. He loves he loves it. You know, he, yeah. he's one of the biggest fans. And you know, like, but what what they'll tell you demographically? Oh well, you know, uh, R and B is for like an older different demographic. Yeah. It's it's really not. It's for whoever likes it. Whoever <laughs> likes it. Yeah. Right, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, but that's the mistake I think. Uh, uh, is made in a lot of the stations here is they they try to categorize things too much, you know. Mm-hmm. Sub and, uh, sub genres. Yeah, yeah, and what happens is when you do that. Yeah, I was I was a kid. I was a kid. I I liked uh, Sam Cooke and them. They, that wasn't music for me when I was seven years old. Okay. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I, I, you know what I'm trying to say? I like right. it. Anybody is gonna like something good that they hear exactly you are and then i think that's what's kind of missing is is we have like playing like a numbers game with radio now everything is numbers numbers analytics you know and that you know that's that that's not all of the that's not all of the the equation the other equation is your audience who's your audience who's listening yeah who who are these people who who are people listening you know there's a lot of give the audience give the, give the audience options. You know, let them right. let them taste and see if they like it or not. Right, they'll, they'll tell you if they like it or not. Right, right, because it, it seems like when an artist, you know, um, you know, he once he hits thirty five or forty, he can do the same music that an artist that's twenty five. He can do the exact type of music, sound just as good, if not better. But they're putting him or her on adult contemporary stations that don't get the same budgets and you know nothing against adult contemporary but it goes back to what you're saying as far as the categorizing all these different categorized subgenres. right right and i, I think that's a, you know like i think that's one of the problems radio is having you know they're, mm-hmm. disconnected, they're disconnected from the audience you know no doubt no the doubt it's once one thing and they're playing something else Right, right. People turn it off. Yeah, yeah. Well, brother, we could talk about that all night. <laughs> that could go to it. That could go into a whole other uh, conversation, uh, uh, Mr. Jasper, which I would love to have with you. But I think I've had you here long enough. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to interview a legend such as yourself. Again, diehard Osley brother fan. I, I'm, I'm missing. I'm missing a few on vinyl because I'm on vacation. I don't have all of them, but I do own the entire collection. I do have it. I just don't have it on my person right now. Much appreciated, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And, and and also what you have contributed as a solo artist is where I didn't have opportunity to talk about all, you know, your, 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 your solo works. But before we get out of here, just one more time, uh, uh, that, that latest single. Yeah. Let the people know. The Way You Love Me is, is the name of it. And uh, it's like I said, it's a love ballad, and uh, just hope you enjoy it. No doubt, no doubt. Like I said, I've heard it already. I love it. It's showing that you know, a brother like yourself, man, is not not slowing down. You know, you're still in touch with 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 what's going on, and you still sound amazing. And you look good, brother. By the way, as well, man. Like you always been like a, a fitness guy. I noticed that about you, uh, Mr. Jasper. Like 
what, what, tell me your, before we get out of here, give me a little, you know, give me some secrets, you know, how you maintain this this youth, youthful appearance. I don't know. I, I'm, I guess I'm kind of blessed with, with genes, number one. But <laughs> number two, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't uh, do drugs or drink or none of that kind of stuff, you know. Awesome. Don't smoke, never smoke. Awesome. You know, that, those things can age you, you know, and, and yeah. practice, you know, always doing something phys physical, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. You know. Well, well, well look, uh, Mr. Jasper, it's been an honor to have you on. I'm Malak Ari. You have legendary musical genius, keyboardist slash instrumentalist slash singer, songwriter, the one and only Mr. Chris Jasper of the Osley's Brothers. It's been an honor. Thank you, brother. All right, brother. It was good seeing you. Hopefully we can do this again. Signing out. I'm Malak Ari. Bridging the Generation podcast. We out of here. You have a good night, sir.